and uh, advancements of an elite few in their society. Uh, they are able to perceive and experience higher dimensional realities, and each one has potential for spiritual growth and astral ascendancy, but typically and unfortunately, a majority of them are just ignorant and socially unaware, are socially programmed and hypnotically programmed to refuse the truth of astrology and the astral realm and their horoscope and the power of destiny on a cosmic level. They seek to express themselves and control their destinies uh, through acts of free will and self-determination and self-grandizement and uh, uh, self-idolization. But just like uh, the path of destruction, these are generally manipulated desires uh, and they're manipulated by astral beings that act as carnivores or predators or parasites to the human being because the astral development of each individual human being is the utmost priority and most important uh, uh, effort, most important uh, realm of action and responsibility that any individual human being can ever aspire to. And it's the same uh, spiritually as it is physically for them to preserve their flesh, to preserve their life, and to preserve their safety from the uh, dangers and hostilities of this world. It's because of that that they have created societies that they belong to, that they created the communities that they belong to, that they created the ability to communicate and to engage each other in um, social settings and social constructs such as kinship, family, uh, fraternity, um, secret brotherhoods, uh, organizations such as the military or as professionals in a corporate setting or as political subjects in many different political ideologies that they've created and the many different environments that they inhabit regardless of how remote or regardless of how inhospitable or how, um, you know, flourishing or how um, prone to famine their natural settings are, regardless of altitude or temperature. They have a touch of divinity, a spark of divinity inside themselves that is able to manipulate and recreate and, uh, and manifest the reality to their desires and to the whims and ever favorable uh, um, opportunities uh, as long as they embrace and confront uh, the universe with courage and with excitement and with uh, uh, glorification that their karma seems to be on um, indisputably uh positive vibration levels and uh, prone to ascendancy, prone to development and growth. Um, their natural tendency is one of cooperation and uh, commitment, friendship and uh, compassion. They are very uh, well, uh, good-spirited, uh, high-humored creature. The average human being is uh, very content just to try to improve themselves as well as a achieve uh, success and prestige amongst its selected uh, kin group as well as uh, prove through
through its own actions that, that obtains a commitment and a communication with nature, specifically the preservation and cultivation of certain highly agreeable, uh, pleasurable species that have come to cooperate in the formation of our society. Um, another vital, uh, vitally important, crucial aspect of humanity is that it is a bloodline-based uh, creature that allows for its phenotypes to, uh, for its social roles to be assumed by specific phenotypes. And this desire to build itself on bloodlines and to maintain superiority through uh, pedigree has allowed it to become uh, hybridized with extraterrestrial DNA uh, and its pursuit to attain safety and self-defense from the hostile environment that it uh, evolved into, that it uh, shares with other ultra-terrestrials and biological predators and uh, extremely formidable, aggressive uh, others, capital O, others, in the form of Kaiju and the Orion Draco empires that uh, basically inherited the, inherited the Earth uh, from, you know, it, it has to inherit this property and have them as their hostile neighbors but also extraterrestrial and intradimensional entities which are appearing for the first time on this plane. Um, the human being is presented with such a versatile array of opponents and uh, conflicting hostilities uh, from various dimensional frequency variations. And, you know, it's... It's extremely uh, testing and um, and remarkable that the human being is able to remain uh, unified and formidably uh, unified um, uh, entity, species, that is able to communicate and uh, operate peer-to-peer with other intellectual and intelligent species such as the greys and such as the astrohyphen. In fact, the greys have a big responsibility in our genetic uh, lineage and our hybridization with uh, the Orion Draco uh, DNA as well as our liberation from them and our um, ascendancy to be able to communicate with the Astra High Command. And the Astra High Command have done um, a significant amount of development and investment into the human species and their efforts to pursue... Uh, close allegiance and close alliance with the human being uh, in their war against the Orion Draco and and their uh, solar system-wide war with the Orion Draco Empire and a type of uh, uh, attempt to hybridize and uh, correct or to realign the genetic hybridization of the human species which is already infused with reptilian DNA but they're hoping to infuse the, the human generations uh, from the moment of their disclosure forward or their contact forward or the allegiance between the human race in the form of Solar Warden and the SSP um, with the Astra High Command forward to becoming one of Ashtar DNA and uh, Palladian DNA, uh, specifically Lyran, uh, Syrian, uh, or uh, Palladian.
excuse me, DNA, and to achieve uh, the many different versions of uh, utopia that are available to humanity because humanity is an extremely diverse species and has a great amount of potential and throughout the many different alternate timelines and different uh, dimensional variations of reality and quantum manifestations of the future we have the ability to choose and to create much more than even the Astra High Command have a choice to create and to, uh, to secure thus they're hoping that it's a win-win situation when they synchronize their powers for uh, clairvoyant um, you know quantum manifestation with ours you know there's mastery of the higher dimensions and our mastery of the lower frequency dimensions because they as being higher dimensional beings have a weakness and that is ironically very low dimensional beings which humanity naturally is our weakness is very high dimensional beings or even uh, beings that operate uh, behind the scenes of reality so to speak not only invisible and intangible to sensation but um, operating in quantum realms which are almost unimaginable and uh, unquantifiable by even the most intellectual of human beings the, hum- the true history of Earth, the Earth plane, the Gaia that uh, the human being has evolved on and been created for and which now has dominion over uh, is unknown to the average human being. The official story that is shared through most modernized human culture is a very well-crafted illusion which has been uh, served to the mainstream uh, reality of the world, the mainstream population of the world, uh, for many different incarnations, for many different epochs. We've had five current epochs, each uh, ending in a cyclical apocalypse event, but each epoch had the same illusion, which has been uh, refined over time and served to the masses so that there's always a breakaway civilization present of an elite core group of people often associated with occultism and specifically with the cultivation of communication with extra-dimensional or extraterrestrial beings, uh, the practice of vril or orgone, or sexual energy, chakras, and chi, and um, the downloading of information from these uh, visitors, including technologies, uh, practices of worship, um, etc., that are often considered taboo and always considered extremely foreign and very different than uh, the conventional, especially the uh, the illusion that's created uh, for the majority to uh, accept. And that is to regulate astral travel, that is to regulate access to influencing the future and to limit the potential candidates to ascend and to be able to reach the basically as a test for the individual. Um, human beings themselves have a very uniform uh, a spiritual growth, as uniform as their physical growth. For everyone goes through the same stages in their physical growth, uh, 
being, you know, at any point that they are human. This is the main definition of human, childhood, uh, teenage, uh, puberty, and then uh, adulthood, and then the elderly section of your life. You have these events happen to you on your quantum life, your astral life. Human beings are marked by... Uh, now almost entirely by their relationship to the SSP, relationship to the secret space program, relationship to my labs, relationship to extraterrestrial abduction, and the amount of hybridization that they occur in their DNA and their genetics. The modern man now is being prepared as a member of the SSP in any one of its incarnations and for any specific task. But it's, there's a, yes, there is a large amount of free-range, ignorant uh, masses of people, but those masses themselves are um, still producing candidates for the SSP, and there's still uh, sources for recruitment for the SSP, and they're slowly being... um, disclosed about the SSP. There's the information slowly being disclosed to them, regardless of their choice to listen or their ability to understand, or even if the entire truth is eventually disclosed or only a very specifically tailored and customized version of it to serve the interests of our elites, our political elites, and those that have been profiting from the SSP, uh, such as the military and the ICC. Um... Even the experience of remembering the SSP or, or uh, recalling it or communicating on an astral level using uh, the recovered abilities acquired in the SSP, um, that is becoming more and more mainstream as time goes on. And there's going to be ever-increasing amounts of uh, exposure and disclosure and so that the information that was kept from us, the information that is kept from the majority of human beings, will soon become public knowledge. But this is, again, the repetition of the creation of an astrological pantheon that was first pioneered during the earliest stages of human civilization, so that humanity is ultimately defined by a society that is not judged by its progress, linear progress, but at which stage of a cyclical progression of events and advancements it is currently in, in between cyclical apocalyptic events. So, for example, it is the fifth age, but this is exactly a repeat and replay of the first major age of humanity, And then the second age was a repeat of the first. The third age was a repeat of the second and the first. The fourth age was a repeat of the third, the second, and the first. Now our fifth age is a repeat of the fourth, the third, the second, and the first. So in each cyclical stage of mankind, each uh, specific uh, metamorphosis cycle of the spiritual progression of mankind begins with a domination of the human psyche and the human intellect and what you would call the spiritual, uh, the human soul, the astral presence, the astral human. Um, That is dominated by the reptilian. And during childhood, when they're first stages of development and adolescence, they are imprinted with DNA 
with their DNA, they're basically their DNA activating it, it awakens. And because uh, the human DNA is so ingrained with reptilian hybridization uh, caused by the Greys when they were custom tailoring the human species to participate in the overthrow of the Orion Draco Empire, uh, we have an attraction to it and a revulsion to it. But we do activate this reptilian DNA during puberty. And it's a big part of our earliest stages of adulthood and a creation of a personality and a psyche and a persona. And we oftentimes uh, never break away from it. And we allow it to, you know, uh, assume our identity. We allow it to possess us like uh, we allow demons to possess us because it relinquishes our responsibility as well as delivers to us a, a variety of forbidden taboos and pleasures and sensations and extremes that uh, it kind of uh, um, guarantees um, that it can download basically the programming of itself not only into you, but future generations that you produce, or that you influence. This is not only specifically available between the Orion Draco and the human being. The Orion Draco have done this to many species and to many intellectual races. Uh, most notably the Greys, which they have created, and for the longest time had complete psychological mastery over, and still have mastery over many, many Greys. Um, but yes, this is called traumatic insemination. This is called um, a traumatic uh, downloading of their psyche to the human being like you would download a computer virus into a computer system, a programming system, so that you hijack it and take control over it. Um, the human being, during its earliest developments, during its first age and second age, uh, never broke away from the reptilian programming and thus allowed itself to be corrupted by it and its cyclical apocalypse was the only thing to free it from it but the gray rebellion with the orion draco uh, had distracted and um, surprised the orion draco uh, so strongly that the third epoch um, occurred and the human humanity was freed from the Orion Draco influence, freed from the Orion Draco psychic slavery, the traumatic insemination, and allowed to develop independently. And when it was allowed to develop independently, even though it had uh, extraterrestrial DNA, even though it was still considered a star seed, it manifested itself for the first time away from the control of its reptilian overlords, its reptilian gods and created a completely independent, uh, self-sustaining society and psychologically matured for the first time, allowed itself to complete the metamorphic spiritual cycle of humanity for the first time on the third epoch. But the reptilians soon returned, um, this time on the fourth epoch, suffering the wrath of humanity when their psychic uh, programming uh, we started resisting it given their now awareness, their now enlightenment of human uh, divinity, human spirituality, as well as the intervention from the blue avians, the, the, the holographic uh, incarnations of the matrix itself and the, ver and the uh, reality that is 
their the blue avian manifestation and so the primates that was known as humanity uh, was able to basically join the astral wars it was be able to join the cosmic wars through its rebellion and its open um it's open warfare and engagement with the reptilians and humanity proved itself to be incredibly fierce and incredibly strong and incredibly uh, uh, violent in its uh, pursuits for self-determination humanity is one of the most fearsome uh, fighting uh, species, one of the most dangerous species, one of the deadliest species and it's capable of a lot of genetic variation that the mainstream uh, version of the majority of the human population is completely ignorant to. The true size discrepancy available for the human being is uh, between one meter and between uh, six meters. So that's uh, between three feet and between 36 feet approximately. And um, occasionally there are even greater heights and statures recorded uh, given their uh, proximity to ter- certain uh, nutritious uh, st- uh, food, source, for- food sources as well as their, the accompanying background radiation or phenomenology such as oxygen content or pedigree. Um, they're also able to create uh, armor and they're able to create technology uh, being one of the most sophisticated engineering species to ever naturally evolve. Um, given that the reptilian overlords and gods were challenged in these, this successive epoch uh, physically, they chose to manifest in a way that would provide them in vulnerability, but at the same time provide them uh, an amazing military edge given technology, but they had to make it discreet. This quickly fell into the hands of the Mesoamerican, the Aztec uh, rebellious rebellions. And just like the horse fell into the hands of the Native Americans in our mainstream history, uh, the, this was seen as a great saving grace. This was seen as a mechanical savior, a technological savior to the human effort to uh, successfully defeat the Orion Draco. Now reclaiming and, and backwards engineering starships, as well as uh, uh, computer uh, software, as well as uh, getting our hands on historical evidence and uh, you know materials that could educate us on not only the medical uh, sciences but you know the spiritual sciences, the astral sciences, and so that we may rise not um, rise from our 3D matrix and not only as creatures of great intelligence and potential and physical danger uh, physical uh, you know stamina and endurance but as spiritual uh, warriors as a spiritual presence to kind of invade and expand into the spiritual realm which is a realm that is created by our belief by our passion by our you know we create topas we create these avatars we, we each have these uh, spiritual forms we were guided and helped by the blue avians who are themselves high spirit uh, great high spirit and we were joined by the lyrans we were joined by the uh nomo uh, syrians we were joined by the pleiadians we were joined by the arcturians we were joined by the greys 
they were joined by many different astral entities and intelligent life forms that wanted uh, to help us on our journey. And so when we first started taking these steps as a species, um, it's fair to define us as having always uh, relied on the help of and the support of other intellectual races, but been welcomed by, but been accepted by other spiritual races, other intelligent races, with open arms, with uh, with hopes that we would join them and support them in their efforts in the you know the the, the reptilian war that's been raging for um, that's been raging for a millennia or more between the Astro High Command and between the Orion Draco empires. Um, human beings can belong to both sides. Remember, free will is ultimately what dictates everything in the universe. Free will and the divine ability to manifest reality. Uh, the Orion Draco used to have a reality basically controlled in an iron grip or an iron claw. Uh, they created every single aspect of our daily existence. But we have taken that back from them. We have broken that grip they've had. And due to the Astro High Command's influence and our own uh, support of that message, we are reaching more and more of our species. Star seeds are becoming more and more densely uh, uh, spread across the population of the human race, as well into allowing for further uh, genetic awakening further genetic blooming to the truth and to be more receptive to the spiritual realities of the world, to the truth of the communications on um, ulterior frequencies, higher vibrational densities, dimensional realities, and to basically uh, lead humanity into its next step of evolution. For humanity is not understood as only one can, uh, species is only one version of itself. Is only one established uh, state of itself. It's an evolving creature. It's an evolving species. Humanity, much like the individual human, ages and has uh, cycles of age, has eras of age, from childhood into puberty, into teenage years, into young adulthood, then you know middle age, and then uh, age, and then you know being elderly and then eventually physically dying and spiritually graduating and progressing for into its full avatar form, its chi, or as the ancient Egyptians called it, ka, and ascending into the kingdom of heaven, into the kingdom of light, to be uh, judged and to be either reincarnated or to uh, fulfill its uh, role in, you know, the, the realm of the king, the millennial kingdom. Um, but, you know, that's the, the full human life. And what we kind of want to focus on is the human life as it evolves the SSP, as the it evolves its own, you know, history and development. And I guess, well, I mean, as it evolves the SSP, you have to understand its history and development, its evolutionary reasons for existing, its uh, niche uh, in this world, and how it rose to power. You know, how did human beings become... Uh, the dominant form of life and uh, reach a state of progress and power 
to eventually even attain a soul, to even attain the ability to become enlightened and to have such a strong astral presence that we were able to rebel and to defy and to defeat uh, trans-dimensional beings such as the Orion Draco and even uh, impress and uh, earn the respect of higher dimensional beings like the Ashtar High Command, uh, the Pleiadians, and even um, uh, be seen as a, a threat to the Orion Draco's entire empire, so much so that we personally uh, rebelled against them and struck, you know, fear for the first time in a incredibly ancient and powerful uh, military empire, a species that had basically conquered uh, the known solar system and was only state, it was only uh, kept in check by a equally ancient and equally powerful species. Like how did an upstart, freshly evolved primate species with just a little bit of contact and uh, help from the blue avians, from just a little bit of contact and help from interdimensional forces and, uh, you know, our neighbors become out of nowhere one of the most powerful species in the universe, one of the most powerful species in this and other dimensions. Um, it's because we were able to collect and repossess spiritual knowledge left by other versions of ourselves. It's part of the spiritual metamorphosis. It's part of the physical epoch. The reasons why we have cyclical apocalypses is because this is an allowance for humanity to face threats, to try different modes of existence, to pioneer and champion different cultures, to learn from these experiences, and then repeat them for more satisfying results. And this is how humanity has attained equality with other extraterrestrials, with other uh, interdimensional beings, as our ability to learn from experience and our ability to try different uh, actions uh, in repetitious circumstances scenarios, thus perfecting and optimizing our potential uh, for future events, for future uh, generations. Just because we don't personally uh, master certain concepts does not allow does not mean that we can't and that we don't provide the ability to master these things, regardless of how difficult or uh, higher concept they may be. And human beings are incredibly intuitive, and because we form bonds, our life energy can be doubled, and our chi can be doubled due to. We know the phenomenon known as love in our mating, greetings, uh, um, you know, rituals, and so and it's also a plastic ability. It changes and takes different forms and different potentialities, uh, different energy frequencies, with the different partners that we choose throughout our life, and so thus our mating uh, rituals are tied into our formation of our individuality and our uh, creation of persona and our psychic abilities, our abilities to create uh, uh, attractors, you know, those laws of attractors, the quantum manifestations, and our ability to say, for example, uh, change uh, future and past events due to intention 
as well as manifest realities due to uh, desires, due to intentions. That's all uh, aided and abated, you know, aided and uh, created by the uh, human mating ritual, by the human uh, libido, by what we know as orgone and vril and our ability to receive it. That's a big part of being human. That's a major aspect of humanity and a big part of why we've been chosen for extraterrestrial hybridization. It's a big uh, cause and effect of um, this alien DNA in the human form, in the human DNA um, chain, the human RNA chain. And when it activates, when it blooms, it's been understood by the human beings just to be stages of one's development, stages of one's personal development, such as uh, becoming an adult, uh, you know, the different state growing pains of life, as well as the beauty of the human being is to create generations, is to create and understand itself as a cyclical being, as a being that is both reincarnated and incarnates new additions to his species as well as educates possesses and collects information that it's itself um, you know able to forget that it's that's in fact vulnerable to being forgotten the individual human being um, is able to understand profound universal truths and acquire a vast amount of knowledge and experience but that information has to be taught to successive amounts of people or else that information only exists within an individual, which makes human beings ideal candidates for both communication with astral entities, interdimensional entities, as well as service in the SSP, especially service in the Astral High Command. Because even though one being may experience galactic truths and go on great... Um, adventures of stimulation and expectation and you know uh, wondrous you know like uh, space opera type adventures throughout the cosmos and the astral realm and higher dimensions one may not be able to even adequately express uh, oneself enough to ever uh, communicate such an experience let alone to successfully educate one on the realities of such events and uh, you know the nature of them and the, specific, uh, the hardships, specifications, etc. Et um, you know, it's not something as easy as muscle memory. And not only that, but a lot of human beings, uh, um, you know, routinely seek out secrecy, routinely seek out uh, privacy in this knowledge and this shared experience and consider it an elite opportunity to even be uh, associated with those that may know uh, for certainty extraordinary events uh, considered the illuminated considered the lumined uh, in today's modern society previously these were considered shaman these were considered elders of tribes these were considered um people who had connection with the star people or with the gods or with you know um the true the truth of this this cosmic universe and many people reported personal experiences and personal knowledge with um with the gods and with the spiritual realm but their experiences were so 
difficult to explain, they became the subject for great, uh, you know, reprocessing information specifically into entertainment, into theater, into uh, art, into uh, musical experiences like poems and odes. And thus, the human being is a library of uh, stories that are relating to it the truth of its very nature. A nature that itself is born ignorant to until genetic factors awaken in its very own physical body and are helped in, uh, by the potential of its own physical fitness and uh, um, it's called elaboration in the form of hypnosis and uh, memory recovery as well as the exploitation of its physical body by extraterrestrials all its life in connection with the secret space programs that its species operates is able to um, experience these things through the Akashic Records because everything that happens everything that can happen and everything that an intellectual or intelligent species of species with a soul uh, anything with a soul experiences or desires or creates or uh, you know um, uh, wants to uh, recover it can from the Akashic Records because all events kind of linger and form like a ghost impression on the universe and the human being is able to see this if they choose to or if they're genetically able to if they have the potential to um, the, the sensation that a, a remote viewer can sense is a very accurate picturing of events but the, the the viewer cannot see the motion through time they see it as a still frame or they see it as a statue they see it as a highly detailed snapshot of the past and so the further into the future one goes uh, generationally the harder it is to uh, accurately picture the past even though events can still be downloaded to certain individuals of the human race and the act of dreaming and the act of lucid dreaming and uh, the human being um, can also be best understood as a creature that lives half its life awake and half its life asleep uh, half its life on the astral realm in the dreamscape and half its life in the 3D matrix, the sea of time uh, the O and the X the intersection of space and time uh, so as above and so below and it has both a dream self a dream identity and a physical identity both of these exist as ghostly impressions on the uh, higher astral like unity, the astral plane so that both kind both operate without interacting with each other but the talented clairvoyance and these and certain higher astral creatures can see them both at the same time so that human beings appear to be like a gemini or a pisces like two twin individuals the astral and the physical and they are living concurrent simultaneous lives but unaware of each other 
And this awareness, this, this, these elite people who are aware of this reality, who are aware of this ability, um, practice, uh, you know, practice like, cultivating it, practice using it, practice uh, mastering it, and have created cities or inherited cities rather from um, the fourth epoch now that they are in the fifth epoch. The fourth epoch was the most crucial in development of the human species. Uh, and I will elaborate on that because that was the time after the third epoch that humanity, during the third epoch, when humanity was uh, able to exist without the influence of the Orion Draco, we expanded as a species and rose above merely being a primate but in doing so, conquered the world in the first uh, global empire. And that was a global empire made strictly of humanity. Higher primates were enslaved, domesticated, cohabitated, and included, eventually assimilated into human pack society. Oh, oh, intermating with us, interbreeding with us over the course of hundreds of ge- thousands of generations to the point that the individual species were one. The separate species acted as one in a mutualistic, uh, you know, symbiotic form of existence where both Yeti or Sasquatch DNA, I guess for this interpretation, I'll call them, call them Yeti, uh, the Sasquatch, so I've called them in the past, cohabitated with humanity, interbred with humanity, and humanity itself was a spectrum between full human, full homo sapien, and full uh, yeti, full Sasquatch DNA, and the many variations falling in between those two absolutes, to the point that the majority of the human race not only has extraterrestrial DNA, not only has specifically extraterrestrial DNA in the form of reptilian DNA, but is also uh, generationally interbred with that of the Yeti and has a full hybridization, but the Yeti themselves are less prone to receiving our genetic traits and we are more prone at at, uh, receiving their dominant genetic traits. So the species... Uh, more and more maintains its human, its its unique human appearance, but at the same time becomes less and less human, and more and more a hybrid of both Yeti and extraterrestrial, specifically Orion Draco DNA. These became the rulers of the world during the fourth empire, the fourth epoch, and were able to build the massive global society of monolithic buildings and high technology that defeated the uh, Orion Draco in open warfare and chased them and their allies deep underground while being able to recreate and reestablish their order and domain on the world, uh, the majority of which they had already inherited from the third epoch. Um, These giant monolithic structures were able to harness earthly energies and they were basically maintained and created by the yeti kind by those that were more on the yeti binary while those on the human binary went to explore explore the world and to further the this global empire's reach and 
became a transcontinental uh, uh, exploration aspect of the human species. And that's the human element of it. Humans have an innate desire to explore and to, uh, to, to discover, while the Yeti DNA has a overwhelming desire to uh, cultivate the land, uh, a desire to, um, to practice rituals and to keep traditions, while the human element seeks to, uh, lustfully seeks to uh, conquer new territory, to pursue ever further horizons, regardless of the hazard or the inhospitable nature of the environment that it's finding itself in because it's pursuing ever more difficult uh, conditions, ever more difficult standards for its own existence and an effort to prove its strength, an effort to kind of uh, achieve a potential of existence, existential edge, you know, that it's testing itself, that it knows of it, that, of, that it knows it requires to uh, basically defeat its competition. But this is uh, the reptilian DNA in humanity, those that are more human and less Yeti on the spectrum, uh, the two binaries, They, the reptilian DNA awakens and is exponentially more powerful uh, in the hybrid human and Yeti uh, fifth age uh, creature, or the fourth age creature, I'm sorry, um, so that when the contact was made uh, with the Orion Draco, the implementation of the black matter, the 4D programming, did not adhere properly and is rejected by the physical form, causing mutations. This is what, this is why the Orion Draco were rebelled against, is because usually the Orion Draco are able to, uh, infiltrate our genetics, our, our food, uh, particularly our water supply, with uh, nanotechnology known as the 4D black matter, which I've spoken that they've mastered before. This is a 4D programmable uh, nanomolecular like oil, but it's, it's a liquid metal, and it can infuse and uh, consume the human body uh, and maintain the spiritual, maintain the intellectual identity of that individual and trap it in the 4D matrix. Uh, to be used as a resource, and that the uh, reptilians have built many bases and many colonies on Earth using human beings as a ranchable uh, livestock so that they may be devoured and eaten and also used as a living uh, ranch, a living uh, uh, production facility, a living factory for 4D programmable matter. And that's what the Orion Draco ultimately want us for, is to be devoured, is they want us to devour us, to use us, our physical bodies, to produce more and more of this black matter, which is their currency, and conducts every element of their society, especially runs their war machine, which allows them to maintain their security and allows them to uh, continually battle uh, the Astra High Command in the reptilian wars. The human being, uh, this time uh, independent and possessing of ancient alien technology as well as ancient human technology, 
fashioned itself into a very warlike empire, an empire that was very uh, built on and established and uh, modeled after the Orion Draco Empire. So, uh, once again, the hybridization of the DNA uh, reared its ugly head uh, because the serpent was so strong of a um, role model that humanity became uh, an embodiment, an avatar of the absolute most reptilian traits, uh, ambition, avarice, uh, you know, duplicity, wickedness, uh, violence, uh, greed, um, addiction to both the astral and the higher dimensional realms, and a severe uh, carnal appetite as well. So as it, ex it extended into the astral realm uh, higher and higher, it delved into the lower karmic realms, lower and lower, demanding ever more um, advancements in technology to pursue war fighting capabilities, to, to pursue astral travel, to uh, pursue space travel, to pursue uh, breaking the limits of technology and the physical laws of the universe etc etc as well as delving into ever more savage and barbarous acts ever more uh desperate and uh, taboo uh, uh infractions of uh you know personal sanctity and and, and uh, the spoiling of the environment and that officially during this fourth age created a global interstellar empire uh, from on this world and, and with colonies on the moon uh, of its own design and it completely created a religion uh, on its own design a religion modeled after worship of the matrix but in its nature its individual nature as a human being as the human species was entirely reptilian was entirely modeled after the reptilian mindset um, the Orion Draco may have been vanquished on the material plane, and they may have been vanquished from the Earth uh, because the human beings could not cooperate or coexist with them and still remain in authority, but they had won the mind. They had successfully traumatically inseminated the human species with the reptilian psyche and thus had been able to conquer and to reproduce themselves with the very reproduction of humanity and the very ascension of the human empire during this fourth epoch. During this fourth epoch, the Yeti, those that had remained on that binary of existence, that had existed as a pure Yeti, or as close to it as possible, took action against the human race, took action against uh, what they saw as entirely corrupted uh, DNA of the primate of the hominid and even though they were genetically human while they were genetically almost entirely similar still maintained the proportions and the phenotype of their of their original ancestral kin and they viewed it as a caging of a satanic influence a against the human race took action against uh, what they saw as entirely corrupted uh, DNA of the primate of the hominid and even though they were genetically human while they were genetically almost entirely similar 
still maintain the proportions and the phenotype of their of their original ancestral kin. And they viewed it as a caging of a satanic influence, a caging of a great evil that would soon run rampant and uh, cause exponentially more harm than good in its survival, in its enlightenment. So, taking to the wilderness and uh, abandoning the cities, abandoning its former role in human society and its former loyalties, a number of extremists uh, returned to nature, I guess you call it Yeti separatists, uh, decided to wage a guerrilla war against mankind, with their only allies being uh, extremely pro-human, uh, anti uh corruption, you know, like purification type zealots in the form of berserker warriors, in the form of uh, aristocratic elite pedigreed bloodlines that were aware of the extraterrestrial and and, uh, subterranean influence. And together, in a three-way war, they were able to force those that had become so corrupted by the black matter by the Orion Draco technology, by the uh, hybridization of their DNA, that they forced those uh, allies of the Orion Draco mindset underground into deep bunkers, into uh, rearward, like, you know, retreats, full retreats. But they themselves then uh, assumed a type of dictatorship, a type of military uh, supremacy that was merging every aspect of human technology, every aspect of human accomplishment, every aspect of physical human mastery into the war effort, into a focus of technology, into allowing its war efforts to expand. Um, The only thing that was stopping them or slowing them down was uh, the only threat to their existence, their domination of the earth, was the Sasquatch, was the Yetis. And uh, these pure, as, or as pure as they could be, to their ancestral sh- uh, roots bloodline, uh, had eschewed technologies. Uh, they still had, you know, weapons enough to wage uh, war and travel and to establish their empires, but they had abandoned their roles as urban urbanized, uh, urbanite type uh, constructors and architects of cities and, um, you know, uh, rel- being reliant on computers, etc. And had waged a war against humanity um, that had been rather brutal, that had turned extremely savage and had tested uh, the limits that they were willing to go to to maintain their separation and uh, freedom because the human beings uh, were themselves either focused on exterminating or completely enslaving this element of humanity, this this faction of humanity that proved to be defiant, that proved to be so independent and defiant that it was refusing to submit to the urbanization, the modernization of the hybridization efforts. I, I mean, it's... It's so radically different appearing than humanity, and it's such a greater stature than humanity, but it's entirely human DNA. It's entirely just a distant cousin from modern man. And modern man is so 
much more identified with its culture, with its clothing, with its style and choice of hygiene, and its ability to manicure itself and present itself with antimony, with makeup, with uh, with its luxuries like jewelry, that its true ancestral mirror image in the Yeti is, uh, you know, controlled by it. And... But it's true controlled human, but it's true human nature um, makes it vulnerable and weaker than our Orion Draco hybridized nature, our Orion Draco hybridized DNA. Ultimately, the fourth age would end in a quiet, harmonious apocalyptic cycle, seeing the split of our societies, seeing our split of the human and Yeti cooperation to. Uh, to fall to the wayside and be quickly covered up by the masters of the intelligence, the masters of our intelligence organizations and the military junta that secretly rules the government, um, as well as the reconstruction of society and the implementation of many uh, covert uh, bureaucratic measures, as well as societal changes to deal with uh, a rising amount of secrecy and tension between us as humans, as homo sapiens, uh, as us as the Orion Draco hybridized race that we are, and currently the dominions of all the surface of the world, uh, currently at a, at a, uh, in the Cold War, the Stargate War, is currently in the service of the Astra High Command. <coughs> Excuse me. Currently in the um, the pursuit of controlling not only this realm, but other realms, um, both off-world and, and, you know, astral, uh, both, you know, in our spiritual, uh, dominion, but uh, also trying to control ourselves, trying to create peace and stability and utopia and, uh, order and, of law and, and uh, create law and order within our own species, let alone, uh, you know, the collaboration and the incorporation of a wild ancestral version of ourselves. We have moved away from the symbiotic relationship that humanity has once enjoyed with those that we now consider giants, that we now consider the wild men uh, as beasts of myth and legend, but ultimately both are versions of humanity. Just like how humanity is now a, a an image that's split between natural primate uh, evolved humanity and the creation of star seeds, or the uh, creation of between the hybrids, or the creation of uh, the many different various off-world elements, like the human uh, transhumanists, the technologists, the cyborgs. Um, for surely, for surely, other epochs experienced a cybernetic revolution. The fourth epoch uh, considered uh, had a cybernetic transhuman revolution, and uh, as well did, as did the third. Uh, this fifth um, epoch is now is known greatly for its uh, it's uh, is known mostly for its great ideological advancements, of its philosophical advancements, of its moral advancements. And its creation of now that it's moved away from the physical uh, cooperation with the Yeti, its advancements in astral travel and communication with extraterrestrial beings, 
uh, no longer enslaved by the Orion Draco, which kept humanity on a very short leash, uh, spiritually speaking. It's now being able to uh, accept more hybridization, more starseed um, uh, distribution and colonization efforts from members of the Astra High Command, uh, including many members of the 36 intelligence species that currently make up the Astra High Command. It's a melding of iron and clay, and ultimately you can say the human being if you're to know the human being, is a combination of flesh and steel, of technology, and dreams, and it's operating with its roots and foundation on its defeat of the Orion Draco Empire, its defeat of the reptilian mindset, uh, using reptilian DNA, using reptilian technology, using reptilian ideology, and organization, and like you know, cunning and, and strategy, uh, so that it's in it's indistinguishable from the Orion Draco in its in its power and purpose, but it's also the hybridization of its technology, its desires and will, and the wills of the Asher High Command, the wills of others, an ennobling of spirit, an ennobling of purpose. It can be considered just as aggressive and as dominant an off-world empire, SSP empire, as the Orion Draco, but it can be considered as noble and as uh, benevolent as the Astra High Command, as the Galactic Federation of Light. And it's the best way to define the human being is that it's uh, both the light side and the dark side, the urban and the wild, the uh, master and the slave, the alien and the earthling, the good and the evil, you know, the, the, the godly and the sinner, the Hebrew and the Canaanite, um, the saved and the damned, and that is humanity, and that is the difficulty in defining humanity, because we have created our world, uh, and we have been created by others. So we are a, a step in the Fibonacci sequence of uh, ever-complicated and uh, powerful uh, versions of intelligent life, of, of a species with a soul. And because of the hostile nature and the nature of our creators, we are made for war. And war never changes. And people are the only constant... In this, in this, in the species, in this world, because we can uh, embody change, you know, and the only constant is change. As our war empire evolves, our spiritual empire evolves, our physical makeup evolves, our identities evolve, our society evolves, our cities evolve, our weapons evolve, our mission evolves, our purpose evolves. Our strength evolves, and our spiritual avatars evolve. The human being is not one stationary creature. It's not one stationary species. It is an ever-ascending species, an ever-evolving species. And I think the only way to understand and know the human being is that the only thing it fears is death, because it is truly immortal.
It is truly a creature that is never going to end in every apocalypse it suffers. It's just another cyclical uh, event in an ever-blooming fractal pattern of reality as the human being reaches for its place in the stars and ascends to a state of dominance in the, from its castles, from its fortifications on Earth, from its deep underground military bunkers that reaches higher than ever before. And that's the human being. Thank you. And now you know your enemy, the human being. This is Rumors of War 1987. Thank you very much for taking this trip with me. Thank you for your, uh, please like, subscribe if you haven't already. Please share this uh, with anyone you might know that can profit from it. I deeply appreciate every single one of you. Iron sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend. Please, if you would like to support uh, as little as $1 a month uh, from everyone who watches, watched or uh, enjoys my content could support me and I would be able to survive and thrive. Uh, very happily uh, with that $1 a month. So if you have an extra dollar, please consider supporting me on any one of these uh, websites or apps or whatever, these uh, ways to get in touch with me. You can email me any kind of comment or story. Thank you very much. God bless you all. Courage.
yourself for Rumors of War 1987. Greetings, everybody out there in Dreamland. This is Rumors of War 1987. I'm going to be talking to you today about the Aztec Breakaway Society that is a, I guess you would call it a hostile entity in the real power struggle of what we know as the as the world, as the Earth. Um, and I'm going to be explaining why it's very likely this is the case and uh, talking about some evidence that I believe uh, is disclosure towards this end um, through the, you know, the channels of, of uh, you know, self-disclosure and the media being leaked kind of like, you know, drip-drop drip, drop fashion. You know, one, one piece at a time to kind of build, like, fill in the puzzle. <laughs> and please like, subscribe, hit the bell. Um, appreciate your viewership. Uh, let's fight the fight. Let's fight the good fight. And, uh, you know, preach the good word. Bring out the good news. And, uh, you know, pray that for wisdom. And pray for uh, cutting and praying for knowledge to survive these hard times. Right. So, the Aztec Empire is an, an empire, like, we would think... In, in which is uh, motivated by the acquisition of land and territory. It was an empire that was actually very geographically small, but operated out of extremely efficient uh, city-states and and um, was capable of uh, amazing feats of engineering and uh, astrology and art. And, um, you know, ethnically, it was a very widespread uh, culture, the Mayan, Aztec, uh, you know, what we know as Aztec later on, but Mayan earlier on, this Mesoamerica tribe extended from Central America, North, uh, South America, where the Amazonian um, coast is, and with Brazil and Venezuela and Colombia, Panama, uh, up to Florida and all the way up the East Coast. There's evidence it's just that there was been uh, a Mayan uh, cities in Florida. So basically they ring the Gulf Coast. These people were incredibly intelligent, incredibly organized, and incredibly efficient. Uh, they created a system of writing, 500 BC, and basically had a thousand years of progress and achievement uh, without major wars or political struggles or uh, uh, inconsistencies of development such as plague or famine such as the West did. And they were able to basically uh, perfect in it this uh, megalithic building practice and style which was uh, shared around the world in the golden age of humanity, such as ancient Egypt, uh, Babylon, India, uh, Southeast Asia, like kingdoms like Jakarta with the Khmer Rouge and, uh, and you know, the, the, the Hopi and Anasazi and all that. Uh, basically, the Mesoamerica architecture and cityscape planning and organization and management was extremely efficient and extremely accomplished. Um, you know, um, they had millions, they had a million people living in their capital, and they had uh, trade and uh, a codified written religion and a codified written society uh, that was, you know, equal to what the West Catholic Church and the Middle East's, um, you know, caliphate and the moms and the and the East, uh, the Chinese Empire. Uh, the Japanese Empire, um, Mongolian, Indian, and un, un, uh, surprisingly, that these buildings in India, which were are called Manas, 
and are theorized to be kind of the Stone Age uh, spaceship, the Stone Age anti-gravitational device, the starship made of uh, very ornate material and hidden inside these cities. These cities uh, were designed to be spaceports. The same architecture and the same style it has been found across the seas in the Americas. And um, I would like to theorize that the Aztecs were a first world uh you know, leveled people in, in that, that advancement of society and that advancement of uh, civilization. Uh, they were, you know, they were not inferior to uh, the powers of uh, early pre-flood Babylon or, um, you know, Rome or uh, the Empire of China uh, and their, um, you know, advancements and disputes are India during their golden age, South the Mughals and, uh, you know, and they were able to sustain uh, pretty large cities, which would uh, be built on these mountaintops, which would be perfect landing pads if they were being visited or were doing some kind of worldly uh, travel and exchange with uh, other powers in this time, such as you know the ancient Babylonians, such as the Indian Empire, such as the ancient Egyptians. And uh, these mountaintops would serve, you know, both as uh, concealment and from their own, uh, you know, lower, more ignorant members of the society, which would exist as farmers, but also the tribes that they exploited and, you know, treated as slave labor. And just like how we build airports, but, you know, secure them from the population at large. And it's a very elite, highly profitable uh, center of technology and power. These spaceport cities, these uh, launch pad cities, these landing pad cities, like Machu Picchu, who are the realms of the aristocracy and the ruling class and uh, the, those who communicated with gods and godly-like figures, those who uh, performed sacrifices and, and uh, learned about the, the workings of their cosmos and uh, performed, you know, feats of magic and things like that. You know, the very special, the very elite, the very occult uh, members of their society. And uh, this is a society that modeled itself after in human intelligences, uh, they, they saw the world in multifaceted uh, complexities, these metaphysical uh, realms and layers and planes of uh, energy and being. Um, they had a pantheon of many uh, very interesting gods and a mythology of the cosmic uh, beginnings and, and origins uh, as sophisticated as any other culture. Um, now, far, far more than a simple uh, tribal uh, knowledge would give you and their presentation was very unique and very uh, ornate and elaborate and very ancient um, you can imagine people in Sumer or Samaria or uh, Phoenicia or uh, Persian you know uh, like um, dress and um, body adornment and where uh you know, the, the exquisite amount of detail and the uh, the kind of inspiration and the motivation to wear such dress uh, is symbolic and religious and superstitious, but at the same time, uh, no expenses spared to create their own, their own image. Um, this, these are people who are very proud. These were people who were very militaristic. These are people who... Uh, were intelligent and were master craftspeople. These were people who uh, perfected the art of metallurgy and and um, you know had intimate knowledges of the stars and of weather patterns and 
uh, spent most of their time uh, exploring the consciousness of the mind, you know, the depth of the mind. They were like human perfectionists. But look how just strikingly uh, surreal and uh, other and alien that a tribe that puts this much emphasis on its own power uh, appears to one that exists in a uh, in post-industrial society or an industrialized uh, rural society like the West. And I'll make that point a little bit later, why I think that's important when viewing them as a faction that, that contests the power of the world. And, um, you know, there's very few... Uh, ways to put it, but there are several domestic, uh, by domestic I mean terrestrial uh, authorities working at the same time uh, constantly kind of balancing each other out and with, uh, with with you know threats of violence and then this military technology and things like that, but I believe that uh, after the global reset after the mud flood, the Aztecs and the Mayans really weren't that uh, weren't that interested in securing land anymore, they're more interested in developing um a hidden empire and operating away from the need, you know, the, the what eyes and the authority of Western powers, and they defend themselves using ancient world technology, which has been mistaken for UFOs, but allow us for the same thing, space travel, um, uh, defensive capabilities that are considered uh, beyond uh, what was conventional, um, you know, but sufficient to be mistaken for almost magic um they have territory in extremely hard to reach places and their discovery has coincided with the modern world of exploration because for the last 600 years since they uh, had contact with the spanish they realized the importance to create and to sustain communities say on top of um, the highest mountains or on the most remotest islands or deepest jungles or um, you know, artificially created areas uh, of sustainment, say in Antarctica or the hollow earth in deep cavernous areas of the world, uh, canyons, deserts, and on a sea basis. And what we've been seeing as and confusing with an extraterrestrial threat has been actually an ancient world threat, an ancient world uh, opposition and other um, otherness that... Uh, the world's elite and the world's knowledgeable have already discovered and put together many clues uh, towards this fact. Uh, Perry Fawcett for England, Teddy Roosevelt for the United States of America. Uh, there have been many international explorers too, too many names today, but also the German uh, Adam Arbe. And they were so interested in the Aztec uh, um, connection to, I guess you would call it, um, ancient ancient pre-flood peoples that uh you know uh pre-atomite type peoples that um they went and did a major study an archaeological study in mexico and in uh central america and south america uh they were so infatuated with the the design of south america that a lot of them moved obviously to argentina and brazil and um i feel that there was a communication at some point between uh, them and the ancient Aztecs that it was the source of the Vril uh, the Vril uh, ideology and uh, practice in um, securing knowledge and resources such as intellectual uh, prop, you know, properties and, and uh, patents for you know high tech uh, locomotive uh, you know engines and things like that so that they could create the first UFO and then create the first anti-gravity device the first bell 
and the first, you know, space program, I believe, that uh, the North American Indians were the remnants of obviously much more advanced peoples, and that they, the most of advanced members of the society were able to understand the importance of relocating instead of trying to hold territory, and thus would develop an empire that is extremely good at uh, deception and clandestine operation and uh, developing uh, all their infrastructure with, the, with that goal in mind of being hidden or being hard to detect. And so um, when they were encountered again, that's how radical the the uh, encounter was, was that it was like we were encountering a predator, alien uh, level type of a hum, you know, humanoid giant that was invisible and extremely adept in the jungles and extremely adept at uh, combat with advanced weaponry that was radically different than the West's uh, evolution of warfare has been. And it was extremely effective and extremely efficient. And also there was a now, obviously, these photos represent a definite and unmistakable alienness to the advancements that they have. But these were the advancements that they were left with or had come up with for hundreds of years, uh, you know, during golden ages of invention and, uh, and thought, which was shared around the world to the point now that uh, when uh, the first explorers or the explorers of the late 1800s, early 1900s, or um, finally you know, able to, uh, you know, adventure deep into this, this, this wild continent that they had encountered, um, I encountered undeniable proof that a, uh, airborne, um, advanced ultra terrestrial, like, uh, type nation empire shadow world existed and, and they were, you know, uh, very successful. They were thriving. They were thriving for as uh, small of a presence as they had were making. You know, to the to them what they would call the modern, uh, the modern first in developing worlds, the modern nations that had taken over uh, the the wide territories of jungle lands called the Amazon rainforest and the you know Central American Yucatan and stuff like that, but. But what we had found were that they had, they had probably fallen into a state of civil war amongst themselves, uh, given their psychology and given their own uh, their own um, willingness to continue to exist on tribal lines and tribal lineages and and, and those perimeters of thought. You know, uh, seeing that their empire was. Uh, Stuck, you know, having to make this decision to confront us openly, or to confront, or to continue to, to run from us, even though our technology was catching up to theirs. But their technology was advantage, what they had um, constantly kept themselves secure with these these airborne craft, and and uh, you know, obviously the energy sources that it takes to run them. Uh, the, that advantage was quickly disappearing because we were coming up with weaponry that was able to defeat them in a large part, uh, totally negating their their sense of um, safety, their sense of security, 
and threatening them uh, once and for all. So there was tension built up between a member of their society or half of their society wanting to remain neutral and wanting to remain independently, you know, like uh, outside of the, outside of the, the world at large as uh, develop, you know, operations. And there was probably another society that was very aggressive and wanted to, um, you know, wage open raiding or open uh, warfare on people, like you know, on the on the outside, the people who, who didn't know they existed, you know, the colonizers of their land. And seeing the world uh, become modern uh, and seeing that there were, you know, uh, more diplomatic ways of conquering the world, I believe that they came into contact with the Nazi party and the Ananurbe researchers, and they formed a deal with them uh, through real um, telekinetic communication and and uh, telepathy, and they were using um, astrological um astrological charts and the movement of the heavenly bodies and the, the, the idea of cosmology, they were using that to form a universal language, a, a translatable system of communication to a world that they were just learning about but also willing, just willing to share their developments for for uh, you know, for, for influence into the greater scheme of things, and I believe um Maybe all the world's major powers were contacted by uh, this splinter faction in the Aztec uh, superculture, super society. And there was a violent civil war between the two factions that was unhideable. Like it, there was no way to hide it but for the, the, sorry, me, the 30s to 40s. Um, these, these two factions waged war and a lot of their craft were crashed and uh, rescavenged and taken over and repurposed by the United States government and their, um, you know, Marine Corps, their army, uh, exploring, exploring Corps, and the Navy. But I also believe that a lot of their craft were uh, recovered during World War II, and I believe a lot of the craft were eventually taken up until the Vietnam War to uh, really secure. Uh, and that would explain, like, a lot of that, uh, you know, Kong Skull Island, Skullduggery, where it's uh, people going into the woods, going into jungles, uh, doing things like that for a very little reason. I still believe that um, this, it's going on in some fashion still today. But it might have been, you know, just, a, you know, uh, an internal matter in the Aztec civilization, an internal matter now. There are multiple uh, presences. Um, that you can you can make out in these pictures and you can make it out in the, the literature and when you actually start doing the math you know the tribes would all be highly unique they might share technology they might share development and um, real engineering but at the same time they'd be highly stylized highly personalized um, tribal you know elements and given you know the pressures to be it would be very hard to keep them all from fighting each other for dominance um, like all things they have all things basically have their own kind to fear the most. And even though this is the subject of understanding them as an as a enemy, understanding their nature as an enemy, one must know your, your know your enemy, you know, as well as you know yourself if you hope to de- defeat them ever in, um, in, in conflict. You know, you have to practice the art of war. And the art of war is knowing that enemy. And this enemy is, is more likely to fight it themselves. You know, more likely to, to be decimated by the uh, civil war 
that is uncontrollable and the failure of its own diplomacy than it is to openly engage the, the say, for example, the United States or openly engage any modern country for fear of reprisal. Um, even though it has seemingly mastered anti-gravity. And it's mastered anti-gravity in the pursuit of building its pyramids and building its structures and uses the same technology in which you can move and reform these blocks and reform these pyramids into creating um, flying vessels made of, you know, precisionly carved uh, rocks and bonded together through electromagnetism. Um, I don't know if it's mercury-based fuel. Like I said, I'm not really adverse to discussing the possibilities but I am adverse to saying that the, you know, what is definitely, you know, a fact or not. But I know that there's a lot of effort, a lot of connection between Mercury, the Vimanas, the seemingly stone, um, stone hold uh, airships, uh, even though they look like motherships, even though they look like, uh, you know, dual battlecruisers and shit like that that they're really only defined as airships for now. That these images are really only supportive of them being airships. But they are capable of, uh, you know, incredible speeds, and uh, we didn't design radar to track them. And they exist basically in theaters that are extremely hostile to our developed aircraft. They can fly in caves, in extreme valley conditions, mountain winds, then um, they fly into and out of volcanoes. Uh, they exist in jungle, which is extremely difficult to reach and, you know, not conducive to nighttime travel for any, um, you know, modern civilian or military craft, really, that you would find in South America. And, um, you know, the, the ships themselves uh, range from very small and, and, and modest-sized uh, personal, you know, personal gliders to sit, uh, you know, ships that are, that are as large as what you would call modern-day uh, shipping tankers or, or, you know, Saturn V rocket and things like that. Um, if you think about it, our society is a spacefaring society. Our society is a society that's mastered aeronautics and flight. And it's a society that's managed to um, colonize space in a limited capacity. We can travel to every corner of the world, and we have used this technology and developed it in states of war. And that is official. And that, that is a huge part of what America and what the United States of America has done. So it's not unthinkable that another com uh, empire that was as intellectually sophisticated as um, the the urban United States has uh, been able to do what we have done in the last hundred years over a course of 500 years and has not already done what we've done with this technology and with this uh, policy for advancement of our, of our capabilities, uh, you know, the capabilities of flight and, uh, yeah, as you call it, uh, ground to air and then air to space travel. Why wouldn't a rival empire that was already domestic, uh, native to this uh, hemisphere, native to North America, and has the whole mineral and um, and uh, landscape uh, wealth of 
South America, which to decolonize and to, uh, you know, manipulate and use, uh, why wouldn't they be as advanced? And why wouldn't they uh, be capable of achieving the same feats and greater? And just, it would be a cultural thing. And these people were not afraid to excel. They were not afraid to, uh, you know, develop and sur- uh, progress and, and surpass expectation. They knew the value of, uh, of self-defense. They knew the value of diplomacy. They knew the uh, strategies of, well, you know, warfare and, and uh, you know, uh, developing uh, uh, trade in times of, you know, dire necessities such as drought and and thus, you know, manage to sustainability within their communities. Like, it's not unthinkable that uh, they were able to, they were able to create a breakaway society. They were able to create a space-faring society. And um, these photos are, are uh, have you know were found in the same USB stick, and they, they relate and were disclosed in the same uh, pocket of information. And I believe that they relate to the Aztec civilization because it's, we have a greater enemy. The reason why, I mean, yes, they do exist, and America has a secret space program too, the Solar Warden, and yes, they exist together. Uh, they don't exist for each other. And they, they're not extremely close allies. And there are hostilities between our two at times. But there is a greater enemy that's very close to both of us and very close to um, to being undeniable. Uh, people call it Planet X. People call it Nibiru. But really what I think it is, you know, or people call it the threat of asteroids or the threat of comets or... Uh, you know, uh, Planet X is uh, the, the shattered pearl bracelet uh, flying past us and, and destabilizing us, destroying us, causing a lot of cataclysms. But I believe that there's also a thing called um, the Traveler. And the Traveler is a type of, uh, uh, what you would call it, a rogue or self-existing planet. It's a, it's a, it's a, what I think is, is an artificial planet that was created to be a satellite, a probe, uh, from an out of older, more ancient, you know, intelligent uh, civilization that is so different and so bizarre and so uh, deadly because of its own alien logic, its own alien morality, and which is incomprehensible to us, you know, being terrestrial beings, uh, as different as the Aztecs and the, you know, European descended uh, Western powers of the world are they are still human beings and they can still communicate you know on, on a human level as long as the desire is there you know and share between them to to be on you know communicative standards but us as humans uh both find that this traveler this celestial body uh it's like a it's like the, the most serious threat because it could be an ark harb, you know, harboring alien life um, it could be extremely problematic to understand and to capture uh, on any kind of sensors or any kind of uh, you know real way and it could be extremely intelligent and and its own communications back to us you know uh, proving to be you know what we might consider extremely hostile or extremely dangerous and um, being as it's not in a submissive 
uh, position to what we can afflict to it. We can't really damage it. We have tried, but we failed many times in doing so. We can only be at its mercy. And so I believe that there's a communication and a share sharing of technology between the Aztec and Mayan empires and uh, the major SSPs of the world, including the United States SSP and the United Kingdom SSP and the German SSP and uh, the Chinese SSP. And I believe that these Aztec, this, these breakaway Aztecs are fighting for the right to uh, engage in with these powers and communicate their knowledge and their discovery with with them. And the other faction, which is a more dominating faction in the Mayan SSP, is uh, trying to oppress them and uh, to uh, suppress the sharing of their own advancement and their own technology based on their own, uh, you know, uh, uh, hatred of the Western, I want to say keep saying Western, the, the you know, European-descended uh, peoples. Uh, that you know it's an absolute uh, hatred it's a taboo to associate with us it's a taboo to include us in any kind of uh, decision making and things like that um, so that's why I believe that uh, that the the SSP the solar space Pro- solar warden program and the and the various secret space programs including um, the uh, the solar gate uh, defenders and uh, dark fleet and things like that you know, the various forms of the of the SSP and uh, things like, so like the Mars colony, the Project Pegasus people, and then you have, you know, your secret lunar mining industrial uh, facilities, and you have your um, deep ocean underwater colonies, your, your mining colonies, and your uh, research facilities, like your sea labs and things like that. Then you have your hollow earth uh you know, outposts and colonies and expeditions. You have your, you know, uh, astral realm type, uh, you know, expansion and uh, the the setting up of uh, dream gates and things like that to remote view and create, um, you know, like uh, dream communities, dream cities, dream dream uh, uh, dreamlands. Basically, like you know, dream, I really do believe that there is a artificial dreamland that they have created, and it roams, it matches the uh, you know the universally shared uh, dreamscape filled with archetypes and things like that. And they basically can imprison you in uh, if you volunteer, they can and show promise as a astral traveler and a viewer, and you are in a circumstance which they can exert that power over you. They will try to imprison you inside a dream state, inside a dreamscape. And you can communicate with other SSP, uh, you know, experiencing telepaths, and uh, you form a community, and they can use that as a as form of uh, endearment. They can use that as a form of blackmail. They can use that as a form of uh, terroristic uh, um, threat to you, you know, expose you, or to make that experience worse for you, or to, you know... Uh, blackmail you in any kind of way they can uh, a lot of what you think uh, they, they can, you have visitations from the celestial community you have visitations from a galactic community, uh, the community that includes members of the Mayans, members of the Aztecs members of the different SSPs around the world uh, um, you know and this, this, this is where a lot of the dealing is made this is where a lot of the communication between us and the Aztecs is done uh, it's done on the physical plane, the 3D plane in uh, 
cities, newly constructed cities of theirs in um, the hollow earth and the cavernous earth. Uh, they have these incredibly amazing uh, cities, you know, carved out of naturally forming caves. And they're just sustainable. And they're, they're right under major urban complex cities sometimes. There's a lot of these you know, rebel faction Aztec cities located in the United States already. And we offer protection for them. We offer, uh, you know, the safety to live their life out on the 3D uh, timeline in relative security if they choose to, you know, uh, join with us fully, like on a, on the physical plane, and, and give their technology to us in a material way. Because... While we have access to the Dream Realm, the United States SSP and the United States, call it all the Western World Powers SSPs, uh, are on the material level. We're on a 3D uh, timeline, you know, 3D uh, ability to see our timeline, and so we exist in this analog uh, version of, of reality, this 3D physicality carbon uh, matrix, <coughs> which is a fancy way that we say that we have to be real, we have to be physically present, we have to be uh, physically traveling through a distance unable to kind of like you know exist like this way us and the Aztecs but other races other entities other beings can exist uh, um, in the astral realm full time with as much power as we have in our world as they do in this astral world and then they can visit the real world through the same kind of uh, you know analogous uh proportion of power that we can exert to the astral realm so as we can travel in the astral realm without a physical body and and but be you know in that sense of, of you know ghost-like powerlessness but like you know uh, out of body experience uh, you know observation powers they can do that into the real world uh, by forming you know shadow men and and things like that but they can do that into um, the dream world that we have to share you know so maybe this thing is is projecting its uh, you know power onto the dream world in a way that's becoming the new war zone that's becoming the new uh, city besieged city under siege and you're going to see that there's going to be a alliance between the Aztecs and the Mayans uh, not the Aztecs and the Mayans the Americans and the Mayans uh, when the final days all go down and it'll be like uh, they are the predator alien um, in which they kind of extend this this hand and their martial prowess and their um, their technology is going to be uh, talked about as if though it's alien because we have been kind of given the self-disclosure that it is but really it's ancient uh, freer um, sourced uh, technology and genius that was that was given gifted to the ancient man and we've had this entire time but refused to acknowledge it refuse to acknowledge its capabilities um, I think it's very interesting to think that the fallen angels were the ones that were gifting us this technology and the fallen angels were obviously beings that were either either uh, seeding as many places and peoples as they could with the knowledge of their fading empire or were refugees from uh, celestial events that I'm talking like about now with this SSB war zone on you know various physical realities and planes uh, being one to necessitate the dissemination of knowledge and the communication between empires and and, and and cultures that are completely opposite and alien to each other um 
maybe that was done to us originally by intelligence that saw potential in us and having faced some great threat or being uh, currently persecuted by some great hostility they communicated power they communicated technology and they formed cults of persuasion and these cults which would over time be uh, you know mistaken and, and confused with their with their uh, with their uh, you know outside elements with their uh, judged by the book the book is judged by its cover that these societies were not uh, worshiping figments of imagination but they were actually being told information uh, from a, from a intelligence operating on the psychic level operating on what we would call the spiritual level inspiring and, and planting uh, inception-like thoughts into people's heads, gifting them with the ability to communicate a science that had been long forgotten um, by people who were forced to reset their society after a great cataclysm, uh, the mud flood, which robbed them, which robbed us, having Western descendants of our inheritance of technologies and uh, automation, and of uh, the, the theories of electricity, which at this time we were just relearning and judging these elements on their outside images. One was uh, given to false judgments and to fears and to suspicions and paranoia. And thus it, was a, it went to hiding. It went into uh, a, a sense of initiation and like uh, ancient wisdom, ancient uh, coveted knowledge and alchemy and things like that. You know, with secret societies, secret cult knowledges, uh, practices, uh, symbols. Um, but it had its resurgence again in the 20th century with the, the Vril societies. And I believe that these Vril societies were being communicated their information from the, the these first Aztec rebels, these first Aztec uh, French factions, these Aztec renegades. And I believe that they at first were communicating only with uh, the Germans, but I believe that the Germans quickly parlayed uh, the information that they were receiving in encountering these uh, crafts in Europe, encountering these uh, these uh, these rogues, these this rogue Mayan faction in Europe, uh, and in the Arctic, and in their. Uh, the expeditions into the jungles or into Tibet or into the Middle East or um, you know even into like you said these holy places in France and Russia and you know these the, the many numerous countries in Europe that the territories in Europe they went and you know unearthed and discovered and, and constructed uh, into the mountains like the Owl Mountains in Poland and things like that they wouldn't have already found remnants and art you know uh uh, reversible technologies to make the Aztec uh, knowledge uh, manifest into the 3D to fight a 4D foe, to fight a 4D astral foe. And that's why you consider the things they did to be very powerful uh, psychic acts and attributions, uh, regardless of the elements of the war. Uh, there were other things going on and even England was participating in the same thing with using Aleister Crawley in performing ceremonies and practicing sea magic and practicing you know uh, its own uh, arsenal, own gauntlet of, of supernatural attacks and like the cone of power 
the 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 hand gesture to um, Lucifer and Venus and the sacred feminine and that which we call the peace sign. I mean, this, these things were hidden in plain sight, but they were a it was a war of magic, and the magic was technology that was so sufficiently advanced that it was confused as magic. Um, that the population was more likely to worship it spiritually and more more likely to to identify it as a uh, religious occurrence or a, or a miracle or a religious spectacle you know like the miracle of Fatima and uh, the sighting of many angels and the sighting of heavenly chariots rather than understand it as a technological uh, world war and uh, I believe like you said that the UK uh, developed its secret space program from technologies it acquired during this time uh, either by force or by diplomacy. I believe the United States uh, acquired its uh, technology for the secret space program uh, at this time. Uh, I believe that there was a lot of uh, acquiring German specialists who had communicated directly with these uh, with these factions. I believe there was a lot of uh, remote viewing that we had done ourselves and the capturing of technology ourselves. And I believe there was some diplomacy between this Aztec faction for the first time and with the United States. Uh, with the, with our leadership, with our military leadership, and, and I believe uh, it was based on occult uh, persuasions. I believe there was a lot of remote viewing and a lot of um, dream traveling and, and ancient cults. I also believe that at this time Hollywood uh, was infiltrated by musicians, by uh, you know occultists, by theosophists, by the refugees of the. Of Nazi Germany, uh, and that when you look about the history of America, it is a history that was that is both our countries, the nations are very closely related and very tight knit. Um, it isn't what you think, and you have been lied to uh, about the righteousness of the United States and the holier than thou attitude that we have as allies. But, you know, there's a propaganda war. There is a psy war behind that element of our society. And that is to dis distance ourselves and to create, you know, a public theater. But really, uh, there are alternate timelines, alternate worlds which have been explored on this astral plane. And this is considered in line with those two, is that we are, have a date with destiny. There's a manifest destiny about to appear. And that, and that this apparition, this awakening... Uh, will have to uh, basically align itself with an unhideable, undeniable threat that is going to unite not only the present peoples of the world, the, the, the one-sided faction of the modern world, it's going to unite humanity across the spectrum uh, from those magically inclined souls, the super soldier factions, the mainstream uh, you know, communities, you know, it's going to require every secret society in the world to act in accordance with each other as the surface encounters threats from the hollow earth or threats from outside the cosmos enter our reality. And, you know, what can you do when, say, that, that rogue uh, probe, that, that traveler infects everyone's dreams at once or uh, starts re recreating... Uh, life on earth on a DNA level on like, say, like a DNA level like annihilation or starts doing things which are extremely Lovecraftian in nature 
because that's the level of threat you're dealing with. It's like the great old ones. It's the great ancient ones. Well, of course, hopefully, we can utilize the, re the, the, the technology that's already been sacrificed for, that's already been suppressed uh, for damn near a century already, that people have given their lives to try to expose and uh, more lives will be given before eventually this is common knowledge or before this is even accepted as a French theory because a lot of this stuff is unsaid a lot of the stuff is extremely rare uh, we are in a time of great awakening now and obviously uh, I, I, I credit you know the heroes that had to give a lot of lives they had to give their lives, their, their health to give their um, futures away for uh, secrecy for censorship, for classified uh, objectives and classified missions and classified uh, covert operations and it's been an injustice to the you know lowest enlisted men who helped with this these operations who you know all the officers that gave their lives the flight officers all the engineers and and uh, technologists who would have benefited the world greatly if they had access to these uh to these fields of study which are you know highly guarded because of the, the proximity to the to the development of these technologies which would be uh you know counterproductive for their secrecy for their other the space programs and so you know that's what i think that um that really you gotta just you know explore the evidence you, that available you have to find obscure links to things you have to find things which you know in your heart are just very poignant and very profound truths and you have to you know embrace the pursuit of truth uh, regardless of what institutions uh, and academic uh, skeptics and scholars and things like that will, will swear is true because they just haven't had the experiential knowledge to know otherwise they are great at reciting scripture but they are bad at having religious experiences uh, they live their life uh, printed through the funds of what is accepted and not you know they make their living telling you what's accepted and not what's, what's accurate and I think that a lot of times people just don't want to know that there is a, a, a uh, competition for the future there's a competition for our souls. There's a competition for um, our freedom and for our uh, ability to self-govern. I believe that there is a, uh, you know, a reason why people are not told of the solar space, of the secret space program, of the solar warden uh, efforts, of the extent of power and uh, technological superiority and prowess and. Um, and the authority that we that we have what deals have we made what are we afraid of hiding why can't we be honest with our own uh, with our own countrymen with you know the people that are supposed to defend us the people who you know are supposed to be the ones defending us well, well, is the threat so dangerous that we're not we're not permitted to know. We don't qualify to know. Just ask yourself, what kind of deals have we made? 
and with who, and what for, and why, and what have they been given us, what have we gotten from them, was it worth it, did we have a choice, this has been Rumors of War in 1987, just telling you to watch the skies, and learn that truth, fight the good fight. Thank you for taking this ride with me. I appreciate your viewership. Like and subscribe. Hit the bell. And this has been uh, my...
during exploration of the subsoil by the Russians and Chinese in 1927, traces of a very ancient nuclear explosion were detected. Certain sedimentary layers had been atomically vitrified 50,000 years ago. The very same phenomenon can be observed around today's nuclear test sites. One must understand that Hitler, thanks to his discoveries, which he took highly seriously, was going to open a Pandora's box which no government, whether friend or enemy, wished to close afterward. Behind tragic history, which we all know, lies a theory based on the existence of four moons associated with a four geological cycle. According to Hans Erbiger, founder of the World Ice Theory, the Earth had undergone four semi-global extinctions of life due to the fall of one of these moons. Effectively, as one goes along, the satellite moved closer, gravity changed and triggered some deep mutation of the genetic standard, thereby creating a race of highly intelligent giants measuring approximately between 10 to 13 feet tall. Several tens of thousand years later, the moon crashed, the impact causing a serious rise in sea levels and a nuclear-like global winter. This race of giant was to disappear due to a terrestrial gravity which had grown too powerful and incapacitating for their unusual size. Hitler was initiated to these doctrines, and contacts with Tibet in particular were frequent. The Nazis sought contact with the survivors of ancient civilizations, holders of ancient technologies like the previously described Vimanas. One of these civilizations spread out over the entire planet more than 600 pyramids made of stone, earth, and even iron. These pyramids are almost all pointed in the same direction, all have the same proportion as number pi, and all situated in magnotelluric nodes. The oldest are in Asia. Two of them are submerged, one south of Japan at Okinawa, another south of Cuba. These two were built about uh, 12,000 years ago. I began by this more archaeological reminder for this reason. Our civilization is the fourth of the cycle which I described previously. Yes, I know that might well hurt our pride. We're neither the first nor the last. One must understand that the study and understanding of several recovered prototypes were the absolute priority to ensure Nazis' domination over the skies. The Allies, in parallel, focused on mastering atom and creating the first nuclear bombs. These secret bases were the center of all research supervised by the Nazis. In one of these bases worked Victor Schauberger, father of the Nazis' UFOs. Schauberger headed uh, the real society in charge of anti-gravitational research. He died in 1958 in Texas, while working under protection of the United States on the improvement of his own flying saucers, which have since become American. You will quickly understand that 70% of unexplained aerial phenomena are human in origin and in no way extraterrestrial. Once World War II was over and Nazi technology had been systematically plundered by both Americans and Russians, the first challenge was to carry on and even complete the Nazis' research in great secrecy. The program, called Project Rainbow, 
especially known for the Philadelphia experiment, was the immediate proof. Mathematician von Neumann, who collaborated with Albert Einstein and Nikola Tesla on behalf of the Navy, succeeded in accidentally teleporting a Canon-class destroyer's court, the USS Eldridge. These photos, supplied by Morris K. Jessup before his suspicious death, are rare testimonies for this unique experiment. In the same time, the first Indo-Aryan technology prototype trials did not go by unnoticed. The military had come up with a more efficient parade than secrecy. At about the same period, Kenneth Arnold, U.S. Air Force pilot and CIA agent, launched the greatest operation in manipulation ever concerning the existence of UFOs, making people believe they didn't exist, was not the right solution and clearly insufficient. Discrediting enemies and frightening the population by systematic misinformation proved far more efficient. UFOs and parahuman belong henceforth to the movies, television and collective paranoia and not to the realm of scientists as it should have been the case. In May 1947, the American Secret Services discovered the existence of an ancient terrestrial UFO secretly recovered by the Russians, which had crashed into the Altai Mountains along their border with Mongolia. Tension between the two blocks immediately rose a serious notch. The discovery was spectacular, and so not to lose face, the Pentagon in tandem with the CIA decided to tell lies and imagine a huge bluff to convince both the Russians and the world at large that they too recovered a new foe in Roswell in July 1947. Of course, it wasn't true, but the bluff worked all the same. In February 1949, just after the so-called Roswell incident, a new foe was photographed and filmed in Antarctica. It was the first photo of this type of a cigar-shaped object. Other appearances were then to follow in one another bicyclic waves. At the same moment, the Apollo program, headed by Werner von Braun, was in full swing, and Dr. Braun in no way favorably welcomed the demand for paranormal experiments, which nevertheless took place during certain Apollo missions. This is the last known experiment on psychic and telepathic amplification as well as detection of psytron particles emitted by the yogi towards the Apollo capsule. But these tests were all eclipsed by the systematic appearance of unidentified objects around orbital flights and the discovery of traces of civilization on the moon. had to face an avalanche of data and embarrassing proofs. The only solution was to put everything under the cloak of defense secrets. In 1971, the Jason Directive set up a special retouching service whose purpose was to erase all signs of civilizations or ruins of the moon, especially in those photos intended for the general public and the press. In June 1965 has appeared this. In June 1965 has appeared this. 
in a satellite report in the area of Deception Islands, south of Argentina. The Russians tried to sabotage the refloating operation in vain, despite the violence of the confrontation. The flying object was finally brought back to Edwards Air Force Base in California. And 10 years later, the first anti-gravitational drone using magneto-hydrodynamic propulsion, or MHD, made its debut test flight in the desert around Edwards Air Force Base, where a number of prototypes came into being. The Belgians got a small glimpse of so-called UFOs in 1989 and 1990. The incriminating model was a triangular-shaped Astra TR-3B or XR-7, capable of flying in total silence at more than Mach 10. Now I would like to speak to you about another complete application of such technology, the B-2 bomber whose development started in 1982. The official B-2 stealth bomber, which flew for the first time in 1989, was to serve as cover for another unconventional B-2 to be built in parallel. This top-secret model used, among other things, a plasma creation system, exploiting the airflow like an MHD generator. This system produces ionization of the air around the B-2, thereby suppressing air resistance while ensuring total invisibility for any type of radar. This nuclear bomber has flown for 15 years now at more than Mach 10. It can fly around the Earth in just a few hours without being seen. Naturally, such military research was to give rise to many commercial spin-offs. Over the last 10 years, we've seen the appearance of dozens of non-lethal armaments like E-bombs or electromagnetic bombs, as well as, of course, microwave weapons and powerful lasers. The U.S. Department of Defense, through the multinational Raytheon, decided to invest a gigantic amount of money in an experimental program called HARP or High Frequency Activate Auroral Research Program. And it was quite a program. Officially, the base in Alaska studies the ionosphere. In truth, the real possibilities of the installation are enormous. Climate manipulations, deep detection of underground base or deposits, silent and remote destruction of any object and most important of all manipulation of human behavior so in 1996 a russian satellite discovered in antarctica the almost intact wreck of an immense spacecraft revealed by the melting of the glaciers the ice samplings indicated a crash date some 24,000 years ago at the same moment, a volcanic eruption on the Deception Islands, the same islands as before, forced the Russian to request help from the United States, given the urgency and importance of recovery of the vessel. In the end, they suddenly dropped it all and evacuated the zone in panic. The device was finally destroyed by the Russians, extremely upset by the situation, which was no longer working to their advantage. No country will have such opportunity again. And this foolish action, as bad losers on the path of the Russians, was only to reinforce the position of the Americans as regards extraterrestrials. 
If this account seems somewhat long despite my efforts to simplify, it was absolutely necessary to get to the subject I mentioned previously. The plots known as the Orion Conspiracy. Our research group is convinced that UFOs constructed by the Americans or the Russians will be used to support an hoax attack on the Earth of extraterrestrial origin. The media taking care of the rest, of course. The reason? Once the threats of international terrorism has dissipated, the war economies of the major powers with the United States at the end of the pack will need a new enemy in order to still prosper. War on Earth will be replaced by space war against an enemy from beyond. So then, gentlemen, I thank you. A complete report will be handed to you at the exit. As for me, I'll see you again soon. For a second update on a quite different subject. Gentlemen. Service such as the organized crime, uh, 
elements, the Yakuza, the Gamora, the Italian uh, syndicate, the black nobility, and, uh, and its affiliated uh, influences around the world, uh, especially through the Vatican and through the efforts of the Catholic Church. They are able to manipulate, draft, and control most of the world's population with an iron fist of uh, secrecy. And um, they were doing so because after the atomic bomb or atomic weaponry was in, was basically invented uh, by us uh, as a species independently, we threw the world's uh, dimensional vortexes uh, off their equilibrium, off their balance, and have uh, forced the solar energy um, that is, you know, linked to this earth to change in vibrational density, vibrational frequency, and amplitude, thus creating uh, a wildly oscillating min-max uh, system of, uh, of uh, cosmic energy to radiate and to be absorbed by our planet, thus uh, terraforming our planet and changing it away from the ideal uh, environment that the Astro High Command and Orion Draco and Graves were operating in into one of uh, contested authority, contested control, and uh, radical environmental changes which are proving uh, excessively difficult for extraterrestrials to exist in and proving um, exponentially beneficial to the human uh, metaphysical state, to the human astral state, to our densities, to our vibrational abilities, our uh, amplitudes, our ascendancy, our intellect, our uh, telekinetic ability, our psychic abilities, our empathic abilities, uh, our abilities to astral travel, to uh, remote view, to uh, master all these uh, paranormal, metaphysical, uh, supernatural abilities as well as to allow our bodies to uh, physically evolve as well into hybrids of ourselves, all remaining our root identity, remaining our loyalties to, uh, our, possessing our loyalties to our species and to our home world. And uh, that is why I feel that Solar Warden is currently in existence, because uh, with the discovery of entrances to the hollow earth, uh, typically in volcanic uh, sites or sites uh, around the poles, uh, the discovery of the access points to Antarctica, uh, discovery of atomic weaponry, the, uh, the teleportation of alien materials and minerals uh, from asteroid impacts and craters, as well as our own tentative space programs, our first efforts into traveling off-world, being met with hostilities and um, our explorations into ancient uh, ancient kingdoms and empires, which is the Amazon jungles in pursuit of the Aztec and their technology, um, as well as just uh, committing uh, social uh, taboos and uh, approaching the Greys and Orion Draco in a hostile military fashion, uh, as well as elements of the Astro High Command, and uh, they're attacking us uh, regarding, uh, you know, our kind of trespasses into their space before they made the alliance. Uh, we were suffering quite a lot of collateral damage, quite a lot of loss of life, quite a lot of sacrifices were made uh, in the initial 
interdimensional contact uh, between human humanity and extraterrestrial life forms. But when it comes came to this kind of peer-to-peer -peer type uh, technological contact, this tier-to-tier technological equality, uh, we did not have the experience necessary, we did not have the uh, mindset necessary, the attitudes necessary, but we quickly converted uh, the applica application of experience that the military offered, that these military organizations offered in regards to uh, discipline and uh, Understanding uh, war stratagems, uh, real, real politic for all warfare and uh, military violence is ultimately just uh, physicalized foreign policy and politics, as well as uh, the, their mastery of the medical arts, psychology, uh, physiological experimentation, as well as uh, material engineering uh, standards. For operations, there was no question that the United States military would create and organize and run a military uh, effort, which they would later call Solar Warden, to uh, initiate the human race into this galactic neighborhood, into this contact between uh, Earth, humanity, and everything else. Uh, we quickly established a sense of alliance with the Astro High Command, who we uh, found very agreeable and very attractive spiritually as well as intellectually. And we found the offered terms to be very beneficial, uh, although very authoritarian and very. Uh, with the with the establishment of the hierarchy, but at the same time, it's a very uh, understandable uh, point to accept because their technology and their abilities to uh, travel through space and time are generations of more advanced than uh, humanity on the magnitude of almost thousands to millions of years. Uh, more advanced, as well as their uh, ultimate benevolency and. Uh, general physical health and fitness um, as well as their uh, motivations and goals being quite palatable quite attractive for our participations they're not going to eat us they're not going to uh, use us as to our harvest organs or uh, all they are asking it for all they're asking us in exchange for the graduation from a a type of zero species to a type uh, one and a type two species is that we serve as their frontline colonizers as the pioneers to their uh, to their expansive territories to help fill out the the, uh, the territories with with you know our personnel our staff our technology our uh, manpower material and uh, individuals as well as to uh, make commitment to ascend, make commitment to a, a master uh, these metaphysical powers that will better aid our independent functioning in the cosmic war. Uh, ultimately, they are acting like our babysitters, like our, our teachers, 
they are acting as a parent-child relationship with us, and we are like a master-apprentice relationship. We are the apprentice. We are learning these abilities as taught to us by the Astra High Command. But in, in exchange, we are going to do all of the labor, all the menial labor, all the grunt work, all the um, sacrificial, uh, you know, expenditure of time and effort um, into doing this, as well as suffering the consequences of getting our hands dirty, of coarsening ourselves as a species. This is going to benefit the Astra High Command because they can free themselves from the karmic uh, uh, heaviness of uh, the 3D matrix and its necessities of action, uh, consequence, and uh, the interplay of these slow down vibrational forces, allowing the Ashtar to elevate even higher into the dimensional realm, allowing them to access even greater abilities than they already possess, and allowing them to gain um, dimensional supremacy, a higher dimensional supremacy than that of the Orion Draco, uh, their main rivals in this uh, solar system. Um, while we are also participating in alliances as a species with the Orion Draco, that's mostly relegated to Dark Fleet, mostly relegated to the Notwaffen. Uh, solar Warden has uh, kind of declared itself openly hostile to Orion Draco and uh, independent Orion Draco warlords and system lords, as well as uh, the kind of remnants of their empire. They're not outright hostile. We don't pursue open and offensive engagements against them, but at the same time, we use them as a template for uh, future hostilities and future major uh, Earth invasions, as well as uh, using them as a necessity to justify uh, our apprenticeship to the Ashtar High Command and uh, our, our pledging our services to uh, Solar Warden, specifically to the Ashtar High Command, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, a philosophy. Uh, we are also dealing with the Greys. We are dealing with the Greys in terms of um, technological uh, research advancements as well as uh, allowing them to cohabitate and to uh, use uh, human beings for medical and uh, genetic experimentation. Uh, we are claiming ancient reliquary. Uh, ancient uh, discovering sites of ancient empires, ancient te technology, as well as exploring the subterranean Earth. Much of Solar Warden operates out of Antarctica or out of uh, mountain ranges, various mountain ranges around the world, generally high altitudes, generally very desolate uh, areas, uh, characterized by harsh and extreme weather conditions, uh, low native populations, and uh, much urban legend of speculation, paranormal activity, uh, such as the Superstition Mountains in Arizona, such as uh, uh, the Skinwalker uh, Ranch area of Utah, uh, such as Area 51, um, Mount Shasta. These areas are access points to both the subterranean Earth, uh, the 
the subterranean realm. Those ecosystems and biospheres now populated by the Aztec, the remnants of the Orion Draco, and other various ultra-terrestrial species. Uh, it actually has more explorable and livable area than the surface of the world because 70% of the surface world is water. Which comes to the next point, a lot of the Solar Warden operating bases are floating, uh, artificially constructed oil rigs, artificially constructed islands, are deep underwater uh, submerged bases uh, such as secret submarine docks, uh, tunnels which link multiple um, uh, points across the ocean. Uh, you can travel between uh, from both ends of the Pacific uh, without it getting wet because they have pressure-locked uh, vacuum-sealed tubes as well as uh, key areas of deep underground military installation uh, around the world, um, including the Arctic Circle, the Antarctic uh, um, continent, as well as every single major uh, nation and, uh, and an explorable frontier on Earth has... Uh, interconnected deep underground military bases which the solar warden can house personnel which can they can house uh, material which they can house manufacturing capabilities etc etc and that's just the surface of the earth they have facilities located on the lunar surface they have facilities located uh, on the surface of mars they have uh, uh, facilities located on uh, city-sized flying Ashtar colony ships, world moon-sized um, Ashtar high colony ships. They have uh, colonies as far away as uh, Jupiter, Saturn, uh, Uranus, Neptune, the outer uh, bodies as well. They have uh, uh, free, sustainable uh, colonization efforts. And they staff them through the partnership they have created with the Greys in creating and mastering uh, the human being, the human mind, the human uh, uh, the human species uh, through hybridization efforts and through um, uh, control of its both uh, cerebral functions and its spiritual abilities. Uh, both the ability to be uh, memory erased or hypnotically controlled or monitored. Uh, basically, they can uh, program and read your dreams as well as uh, put whatever memories they want or, or thoughts and uh, programming that they want inside your head as well as create you uh, many thousand times over in cloning programs. In fact, I'll let this video say most of it. But it's going to explain how staffing um, and the super soldier program is uh, used to fulfill Solar Warden's needs and to create generations that uh, fill and enlist in the uh, Solar Warden officership and uh, This is, I guess you would say, the darkest side of the light side. The Solar Warden could be said to be ethically a good light side worker, a light worker, a uh, blue team, a, uh, you know, a, an actual ethically uh, noble 
element in the SSP. This is the darkest side by far. This and the trauma-based training and the, uh, and the uh, ownership of human beings as if they were slaves. But ultimately, every military, no matter how noble its goals are, are all, is ultimately a military, and all militaries are inherently a very negative uh, karmic uh, flow and very uh, you know, checkered and uh, dubious, morally dubious uh, enterprise. Definitely very low vibration, very terrorist and uh, second density uh, type uh, vibrational matters, which is why the Astra High Command is hoping to free itself from the responsibilities and the burdens it has to supply its own military and its own um, uh, military forces and uh, those that are making sacrifice to perform the dirty work, the wet work, necessary in policing and uh, securing a multi-planetary, you know, empire with billions of citizens and, um, you know, even more enemies. The more noble the cause, generally the darker and the bloodier the, uh, the means, you know, to justify the end. El Dulce base is just one of these bases and there are over 2,000 such deep underground military bases confirmed uh, currently with uh, expectations of there being 10,000 by uh, 2030. So the production and the uh, creation of these is increasing because the needs of Solar Warden are not decreasing, they are increasing. Um, there has been a steady increase in the demands and uh, requirements of solar warden, even though most of the processes are now automatic because the fleet is growing exponentially, as well as the Astra High Command's original quota being uh, significantly higher than we expected. Um, of course, there was a great amount of leniency in our ability to fulfill it. But we have signed and agreed to a very hefty, a very uh, significant soul uh, contract, a reincarnation contract that is over 10 billion lives. And so it will require about uh, a century to a thousand years to fulfill this uh, apprenticeship, this spiritual apprenticeship as the military wardens of the Astra High Command, you know, the chosen and uh, preferred allied race in the Astra High Command to carry out uh, executive action to be a envoy to uh, the Astra High Command and uh, to kind of be the sword of the arm and the covenants uh, for the Astra High Command. There's a big difference between those that are enlisted and chosen to uh, undergo time triangulation 
where they are, for example, recruited at the age of 14 and then taken out of their original timeline and put into an adjacent timeline or allowed to age the 20 years in service of the Solar Warden going from a teenage cadet, a recruit, um, given uh, a function, assigned a, a task, a rate, an MOS, and then a specialty, and allowed to experience the life of a member of Solar Warden, either on-world or off-world, or any combination thereof, uh, due to Tor's uh, duty and uh, the needs of Solar Warden, the needs of the U.S. Navy uh, organizational uh, construct that is called Solar Warden. These uh, individuals then uh, serve out their terms uh, either uh, in one consistent timeline or in many concurrent timelines. Then they are returned to the point where they were initially enlisted or drafted so that they are now once again 14. The memories are not created yet and thus can kind of be uh, hypnotically erased. But they have to be hypnotically erased. There has to be a heavy MK Ultra session of uh, departure and decompression from that original timeline and that life. Uh, and so the solo warden memories are treated as a fantasy or a delusion or um, just blocked out entirely. Over 95% of everyone is, uh, who endeavors in such things has no ability to access their memories and only through a, a steady uh, program of hypnotic regression and uh, self-help and uh, um, self-healing. Uh, can one hope to even uh, begin to experience the uh, the events that occurred or to have any kind of semblance of truth or peace or closure and even then only through uh, lucid dreaming methods and uh, you know a lot of psychology a lot of uh, law therapy uh, generally the experiences are very traumatic um, not that the experiences of serving in Solar Warden are necessarily guaranteed to be traumatic, and they just generally are. There's a lot of trauma-based training, a lot of trauma-based mind control, a lot of trauma-based initiation rituals, as well as the general hazard and uh, traumatic nature of uh, service, as well as uh, the punctuation of events. Generally, everything is very bizarre, surreal, and... Uh, over um, analyzed by the by the candidate by the enlisted individual um, during these uh, twenty year back uh, tours, and an individual can experience many many uh, time triangulation events within their life because it ultimately only takes a matter of minutes um, in a t person's timeline to go from you know essentially their bedroom to the uh, uh, 20 years of the SSP of the Solar Warden um, duty then returned within a minutes later within that night barely even noticeable to those around them 
uh, with no real memories at all of having uh, experienced this, except it's now locked in the Akashic Records. It's now locked in the cosmic uh, library of events of truths. And uh, then they can be repeatedly taken after moments of rest, after moments of recu- uh, uh, recuperation, uh, spiritual recuperation, and then put back through 20-year experiences. And they can be cloned, and their soul can be splintered, and each one of those individual souls uh, splinters uh their experiences ultimately go back to the main soul's Akashic Record uh, collection of events and experiences. So that person can uh, theoretically live a thousand lifetimes or more in their service of the Solar Warden, which is what the Solar Warden requires because they have a uh, 10 billion soul life contract that they have to fulfill. They have to provide 10 billion uh, lives lives are 10 billion souls to the Astra High Command and um, to Solar Warden before Earth and humanity itself has earned its freedom, has earned its independence, has earned its ability to self-direct and to consider itself a free uh, will species, a, a species that can dictate its own course of actions, can choose its own destiny. When this moment happens, Solar Warden is positioned to take total control over the Earth. It's going to be uh, unveiling itself piecemeal through disclosure of events. And um, it's going to create an artificial alien invasion using actual authentic alien threats, extraterrestrial threats, ultra-terrestrial threats. And it's going to suppress... uh, uh, any kind of uh, dissent because it is going to plunge the world into a unified loyalty a fanaticism to support Solar Warden uh, that it's going to uh, allow the realities of the threats to Earth and to humanity to fuel humanity's uh, commitment to creating defenses, creating defense forces capable of uh, defending Earth as well as, uh, you know, the individuals volunteering to uh, sacrifice and commit themselves to duty uh, into the Solar Warden, into uh, obeying the Solar Warden, into, into the Solar Warden becoming the new matrix, becoming the new authority, becoming the new uh, city-state, the new Babylon the new pharaonic uh, military and everyone in the world is going to become an initiate uh, kneeling at the altar of humanity rising with Solar Warden as its uh, avatar as its ideal uh, creation, as its ideal uh, formation this has been the plan uh, since the uh, origination of the United States military since the fall of the original Earth Babylonian system to rise again, for Rome to reunite underneath a single banner, uh, not divided under the many uh, disparaging ruling elite uh, nobility, the warring aristocracy, but to be united once again under something greater than just a flag or, or the love of gold, but for an ideal, for a pursuit of 
celestial independence for pursuit of uh, world peace for world safety uh, packs earth uh, to spread not only to the four corners of our gl- our plane of existence our dimension but to higher dimensions to future dimensions to to future worlds basically mankind is a very ambitious and uh, an adventurous creature a species that knows no limitation and sees only horizons as uh, you know anything worth attaining the prize worth attaining but humanity is not the only creature on earth there are other species other ultra terrestrial species as well as other incarnations of humanity including uh, humanity space born uh, humanity in a hybrid state humanity in a cyborg state a transhumanist state a trans-dimensional state, a spiritual state, an astral state. The Solar Warden enlists all of that. It exploits and uses all of that. All of that is a force multiplier for Solar Warden. Solar Warden is the most inclusive uh, version of a world authority when it comes to this because it is not skeptical or... Um, prejudice in any respect everything that humanity offers and everything the world offers is used by solar warden in our efforts to contact extraterrestrial species and protect earth from those extraterrestrial species as need be as the military force of humanity thank you for your viewership thank you for taking this ride with me i deeply appreciate it this is Rumors of War 1987. Iron sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend. Please like and subscribe if you haven't already. Consider donating. Thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate every single one of you. This has been a visual history of Solar Warden. Thank you. Once again, Rumors.